You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. He was like, square up, square up. I was like, okay. They square up. And his grandpa comes in. He's like, you're not going to be fighting him. You'll be fighting me. <laughs> Dude, and I murdered that grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the future is now, old man. <laughs> Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? This is the 3M Podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. My name is DJ. We're just a group of friends, tell scary stories, and hopefully have fun. To open the podcast today, (laughs) we try not to get too controversial, too political, but I feel like we have to address... The elephant in the room. Do you guys believe in putting up Christmas decorations on November 1st or respecting Thanksgiving? Let's, keep, let's keep an open mind. I'm more of the respect Thanksgiving. Dude, me too. Christmas is after. Dude, Thanksgiving's over. I feel like you got to wait till the day after <laughs> Thanksgiving before you start putting up Christmas pre- er, decorations. I consider myself centrist and left-leaning. Oh, gross. <laughs> no, I'm just the left being... Yeah, uh, what's the left in this situation? <laughs> let Thanksgiving have its, uh, have its place. I think people can set up, but I think people should be focused on Thanksgiving. Obviously. Like to help set the atmosphere, yeah, set up, but I want to hear Thanksgiving music before I hear Christmas music, you know? If you hold out on Christmas a little longer, it makes it worth it makes it better, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Obviously, also, if you don't hold out, it ruins Thanksgiving. I don't know, it's just not as special. <laughs> I it's just like, body, you know. I like surprises. <laughs> so, I'm fine waiting until it's the right time. Oh. Mm. Okay. But if you're one of those people who November 1st you have a uh, Christmas lights up, tree decorations, it's like do your thing. You see the memes where it's like, uh, it's November 1st. Mariah Carey should be thawing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. How are you guys doing? What's new? Apparently a vaccine's coming for the uh, you know what. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Are you guys going to take the first round? Are you going to wait a while to see if anyone starts sprouting arms? Yeah, I'm going to wait a while to see how the government tracks you with the vaccine. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I got my aluminum foil cap underneath this beanie right now. Isn't it kind of funny how everyone's like, dude, they're going to track you, but we all carry iPhones where like they literally can track you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, it's like, how do you think you, you find are- your AirPods? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's the same technology. Like bro. we ain't been tracked already. <laughs> yeah, bro. Who do you think has been the safest during this whole time? Um, definitely Asians, bro. Not yeah. just kidding. What do you mean? Like out of us? Uh, no, no. Just in the world. Like oh, what group, country? what demographic of people? Hmm. Mountain men, probably. Mountain men. Yeah. Just some remote the island. The button man. The button man. Yeah, yeah he's not getting <laughs> The true recluses out there. Unless he's getting it from those people he's killing. <laughs> true. Oh. What about furries? Oh, uh, my gosh. 
Well, they're wearing I mean, a big fat mask. They've been wearing dude. masks for a long time. They're, they're ahead cool. of it. <laughs> and everyone's socially distancing from them. So <laughs> they, they have like double yeah. cushions. <laughs> true, yeah. dude. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so funny. All that yiffing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got a new dog. My wife and I. Puppy. Nice transition, dude. Her name's Lucy. <laughs> Just wait. And we took her to puppy school. So it's puppy training. Puppy school. And the trainer has a mask on, and I'm looking at it, and it is 100% a furry mask. Oh, it was no. like the furry snout and tongue and like oo-woo and stuff. And That's cute. I was like, a furry would be a dog trainer. But I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, as long as she keeps her hands where I can see them. The best person oh, to train my shoot. dog. It's probably Joe don't, Budden. Yeah, dude. don't pull no button. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh. I, that feels wrong, dude. <laughs> She's pet my dog a little too long. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right. Then. When does the yiffing start? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, just you made me think of that when you said freeze. <laughs> dude, that's funny. We're off the rails and it's been eight seconds in this podcast. Stay away from my dog. <laughs> um, A few weeks ago, I came home to my girlfriend's place and I was like, I have this mad pinch in my back. And she's like, oh, can I give you your birthday gift? And I was like, are you listening to me? Yeah. I said, I have a mech. You never listen like, to me. <laughs> I just need a massage. I don't <laughs> need my birthday gift. <laughs> she said, please, can I give you your birthday gift? He starts unzipping his pants and running to the closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. I put on my furry mask. I'm like, fine, whatever. <laughs> and she, I'm like, fine, whatever. Give me my birthday present <laughs> or president. Uh, give me my birthday present, and then uh, I want a massage. And she whips out one of those massage guns. Ooh. Those are clutch, bro. Class A gift. I know. It's like That's she nice. knows you. <laughs> She's like, she knew exactly what you were going to be dealing with that day. Yeah. She's like, I've seen your <laughs> shitty posture. You're going to need this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, thank you, listeners. You guys are the best. Like, you're the only reason we're still friends. <laughs> Yeah, you guys really are the glue between this thin veneer of friendship <laughs> yeah. that we have gone on. No, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. We love all your support and not everything you do. We're closing in on a hundred patrons on Patreon, which is huge for us. And we need to set a goal. My idea is if we hit a hundred patrons on Patreon, that Sean and Kevin will play with the Ouija board. And DJ and I will film and watch from another room. <laughs> this kind of seems like, like you down. You're not really part of this goal. But I'm, fil- but I'm filming. <laughs> I'm, filming. <laughs> I'm filming it. I mean, I'm okay with that, okay. but also like I'm gonna need some more participation. Uh, I'm watching your six. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm making Let's sure just go you're out good. in the woods and be watching each other's backs, like facing each other, dude. Mm. We've talked about. Um, so, like, some streamers have streaming backpacks, full streaming capabilities from pretty much anywhere that has, um, like, cell reception, you know. And it comes complete with the camera and the mic, and it's really popular for, like, Twitch users. But we've talked about each getting a streaming backpack and going to a haunted location all by yourself. Ugh. Like, I go to one, Charles goes to one, uh, Sean yep. goes to another, and we are live streaming together. Separate. Separately <laughs> and sharing scary stories from our <laughs> secluded haunted locations. Bro, did you ever see that movie Unfriended? Mm-hmm. Yes. Terrible. But 
beside the point is they're all in separate locations and you like see stuff going they're on behind each them. other. Oh, okay. No, I've seen the trailer for that. Yeah. <laughs> it is a terrible movie. Could it's have been based out of Clovis, Clovis, California. Oh, damn. Which is right near okay. Fresno, which is where I'm from. Hmm. And nothing's based out of that. They're based out of there. So I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's a trash movie, but I know what you're saying. It is terrifying because you're I'd be like watching DJ. And if I saw someone like if you saw anything them, move, you would be freaking out, dude. Yeah. I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, there's no way they're dead. <laughs> I need to be honest with our with our listeners out there. I don't think I'm that brave when it comes to supernatural stuff. I'm just putting it out there. Like you said that just now, and I got really nervous. <laughs> like I don't know if I'm down. That's all I'm saying. When I we, used to be, no more. When we went to Ravens, which we have done, by the way. Ooh. We went to Ravens. We recorded. We're currently in post-production editing that episode. But when we went to Ravens, I was sitting in the basement. I thought of that idea again. Because up until that point, I was like, oh, that sounds sick. And then while we we're sitting in that basement, I was like, I don't know, I don't know anymore. <laughs> like imagining if you were down there alone. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Like you're down? That bad. But That's what I'm saying. That's why you're playing with a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, but also like we can't be like we hit 100 and Sean's going to do something. Yeah, we can. That's <laughs> the Sean podcast, not the 3 a.m. podcast. I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> Your time to shine, BB boy. <laughs> yeah, step up, dog. <laughs> uh, let's just get into our stories. Want to do it? Let's do it. <sighs> okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, Give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m. And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. Charlie got a 16. It's my die. Don't touch my die. DJ got a 6. Sean got a 18. Ooh. So the order is Sean, me, DJ. Sean, you up. All right, guys. I got a special one for us today. It in my mind, has quite a bit of credibility to it. Which is new for you. Yeah. But also, like, I'm still skeptical. I'm still skeptical, but it's a credible source, in my opinion. Yeah, so far, Sean's been incredible. (laughs) Incredible, (laughs) dude. Not believable. (laughs) So this comes from an 
Army Cavalry Scout. And are you familiar with the term or have any ideas like what they would do? I am, but you should explain it to DJ. Okay. An Army Cavalry Scout? Yeah. Like, Like have you ever heard of that term or would you be able to guess what they would do? It's all like front lines, like they die first. (laughs) Well, front lines, but not necessarily die first. So the first time I'd heard like a situation like this was listening to the book by David Goggins, where he talks about going to uh, Army Ranger like certification or whatever it is that they go through training Mm. in like West Virginia. And part of that training is navigation skills. So overland navigation. And what they would do is they would have this area in which they would have to find certain points. They would go and find the points and they'd have to do in a specific amount of time or else they would fail. So the army scout is a scavenger hunt, (laughs) big boy scavenger hunt, big boy scavenger hunt, big boy risks, that geocaching bro. (laughs) So, uh, essentially this, Army scout is not quite the level of the ranger, but they're going to be the ones on the front line scouting out enemy territory for enemy uh, bases, weaponry, landmines, all of that. And same as David Goggins, part of that training and probably a more integral part of that training is navigation skills. And they'll put them in all kinds of different terrains like forest, desert, swamp. They have to be able to navigate all these kinds of areas. I would like to say Sean would be a really good scout. I I was reading the story and I was like, this sounds dope. Like I would do this training for the most part, this guy's story, but. We've talked about it before, but you can drive Sean to a location, like in a new town we've never been to, and he will know exactly how to get back. It's uncanny. (laughs) I mean, Sean trained to find things growing up, like onion grass in his bulbs. front yard. We're just yeah. like bulbs in the ground. through the grass. Just, I got another one. Things to do. Yeah. <laughs> Coins. Actually, I did have a coin collection, bro. Nice. Not That's called a savings account. Pennies <laughs> and dimes. So, back to this guy. He's army scout training. And up to this point, he and 15 others have made it through the training so far. Mm. And they come to this day where they're going to go and do another navigational like field test. So they pick them up at like 11 PM. So up to this point, this guy has made it through training so far with about 15 other people. One day around 11 PM, their uh, field officers pick them up and they take them out into this thick forested area in the middle of Pennsylvania. They uh, essentially are going to drop them off. They give them basic gear. Like they do give them a flashlight. They give them uh, a map and they give them their five points that they have to go and find and give them like night vision goggles, stuff like that. So he gets all of his basic gear and the rules of this test are they have five points out in this thick forested area and they have to find four to pass. Mm. First of all, before they're going to go in to the forest, they have the opportunity to plot their course. They're going to plot distance, step count, all of this. So he uh, kind of pulls aside, gets on the like the hood of the truck and like has his map out and he's plotting his points to go to these five points. And there's plenty of points out in the forest too, so it's not like they can share information with the other trainees. 
So this is intense. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's I'm like stressed. Wild <laughs> with the night vision goggles. Ooh. I'm thinking of uh, Spy Kids. Ooh. Like all the all the different tech that they can use. That's true, dude. Like I just wristband. want the microwave, bro. Yeah, yeah, the the microwave. Pizza, that's <laughs> all I, I care about. Microwave and that dope, uh, whatever softball tent camp setup. Oh Ooh. yeah, dude. That yeah. was clutch, yeah. bro. Um, so he's out on the hood of this on the the military truck he's plotting his course out and he has five points two are pretty close relatively speaking in this large area in this valley near a stream two more are kind of up on this hilled like ridge Mm. and then the fifth one is farthest away but it's also right next to this dirt road that goes all the way around the entire area Mm. so essentially the rules are they have to find four out of the five to pass. Now, they have a couple things working against them. Darkness. It's 11 p.m. And some of the points are close together. So if they don't precisely plot their course, they could miss a point that they have to find. And the points that they prove that they're going to be able to find is it's like a little ammo can with a description of what enemy thing is there. So uh-huh. like it'll say, at this point, enemy tank. Something like that. And they have enemy soldiers out in the forest. And they're just part of the training program. They're going to search for the trainees. If they catch them, they send them back to the beginning where they have to start again. Mm. And they have four hours to do it. This dude. sounds like the funnest game I know, world. dude. This sounds like <laughs> geocaching with um, Fugitive. Yeah, it does. Dude, the yeah, same it kind of does. Like, we should legit play this. It would be sick. I would yeah. be so down. Like on a really small scale. But yeah, not like a <laughs> really huge. huge. <laughs> it's called signing up for the military. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the last uh, possibility of like getting out of this test is if you get lost. And essentially all they'd have to do is walk in one direction until they find the dirt road. And follow the whole thing. Well, they'll just stay there and the truck is driving around the whole place. Which is also why the point next to the road is kind of sketch for him because the truck's going to be driving by. So he heads out into the forest and... Wait, it's just him or a team? It's just him by himself, okay. but there's also 15 other people doing the same thing. Okay. So it's a pretty large area. He heads out and one of the first things he tries to do is he just kneels down, closes his eyes to kind of gauge what he can hear mm. because that's it's so dark inside this forest he can't really hear much without the night vision goggles kind of ground himself ground himself and he called it hearing with his ear or seeing with his ears mm. so he decides he's going to go for the farthest point first and then track his way back so he's going to go all the way to the one that's close to the road because it's going to be the easiest to find so he heads out and he's going through this forest and goes down this decline into the valley where the stream is. And there are some points that he knows are going to be there, but he's going to skip them for now. He's going straight to the last one first. And part of that's probably strategy as well to avoid getting caught. But as he reaches the stream, and I imagine it's like a 10, 15 foot stream, and it's a foot to a couple feet deep based on uh, kind of the description he gives. He kind of wades into it, and as he's doing so, probably 50 to 70 meters away from him, also on the stream, he just hears, son of a bitch, from one of the other cadets who uh, just slipped into the stream. He's and like, mom? Just, 
<laughs> Mom, you're out here? <laughs> um, he kind of laughs to himself and starts heading back up the valley towards the, the ridge. And this is about November. So it's... In Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's chilly. There are probably going to be like bugs around, but he notices there's no bugs. He can't hear any buzzing or anything like that. And he uh, gets what he describes as his warning radar going off. Like someone's watching him. His spidey sense. His spidey sense. So he kind of crouches down where he's at and starts to head around this ridge instead of straight up. And as he's heading around, he looks out to his right and he sees one of the enemy soldiers, but facing Mm -hmm. the other direction. And so he just stays there for a second until he sees the other guy kind of, and it was probably like 50 meters away. And he described everything in meters. So that's why I'm saying meters right now, but he heads in the other direction. And so he heads back around the corner of this ridge and he hears the enemy soldier all of a sudden yell, stop soldier, you're caught. You have to start again. And then he hears the same guy yell, son of a bitch again (laughs) and realizes he's not the one that's caught. Sounds like that scout was just like following him. It could have been. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll let you do all the work. (laughs) So the other guy gets caught, has to go all the way back to the beginning to start over and find four of the five points in the four hour time frame. So he uh, slowly goes through the forest as, as slowly as he can within the time frame that he has, makes his way to the dirt road where, or to, within probably 50 feet of the dirt road where he hears the truck go past and he realizes he's on the dirt road now. So he heads out to the dirt road, goes along it a little bit and finds his target point, picks up the ammo can, uh, gets the coordinates out. He's like, our enemy tank here, puts it in his uh, field notebook that he had and then heads back for the ridge because that's where two more points are going to be. So he starts heading up the ridge And on the side that he's on, puts on his night vision goggles. And he scans the uh, forested area and sees a clearing where he sees the second point that he's supposed to go to. So he starts heading down to it and gets to the edge of the forest where he's supposed to uh, go out into this clearing and grab the point or the target. And then starts smelling just this really putrid fecal matter smell is what he said and he's like gosh this is gross he puts on his night vision goggles again and he's scanning around the forest and he sees a figure 100 meters away in the forest but he can't really tell like what they look like he just sees them like hiding behind a tree so he assumes yeah this is another enemy soldier the uh, soldier kind of goes behind the trees he loses sight of them And he waits for a minute, not seeing anything. He takes the goggles off. He runs into the clearing, grabs his target, runs back, takes a note, and then goes and puts it back. And then he decides to head back up the ridge, and then he's going to go down the other side to find his other point. But as he's going up this ridge, and it's November in Pennsylvania, a lot of leaves covering the ground. He hears like the faint crunch, crunch, crunch of him walking and he stops and hears crunch, crunch, crunch behind him quite a ways, but it's very like clear to him. Someone's following him. 
So he decides to go off his course. He runs up the top of this ridge, which he was at first trying to avoid doing because he didn't want the moonlight to catch him and people to see him. But he runs up and starts sprinting along this ridge. And eventually he gets away. He doesn't hear any more crunching behind him. But he's off course and he heads just back down the other side of the ridge. And he knows his target or his point is somewhere close to where he's at. So he just starts kind of exploring in this 50-foot range that he's in. And he says completely accidentally he kicks the ammo can that he's supposed to find and luckily is able to find his target. He, like, writes it down, sticks it back in his pocket, and then he starts heading down the stream. But So he, he's up to four? He's up to three now. Oof, okay. And he starts heading back down in the valley where the stream is, where he knows he's going to find two more targets. Dang. Let's, do, let's go. And he, all of a sudden, he smells this smell again, like before, just the really foul, he said, feces smell that was following him. And he puts on his goggles again and scans the area. And probably 100 meters away, but the whatever whoever it is doesn't see him. He sees the enemy soldier and they're wearing like a ghillie suit. So he's like, okay, I know it's not one of the other trainees because we didn't have the suit. It must be one of the soldiers that are after me. So he sprints back down to the uh, stream. And he doesn't know which side the target is on the stream. So he starts searching the side that he's on. He keeps searching, finally comes to the conclusion that it's not there. And he wades back into this freezing cold water. It's November in Pennsylvania. Over to the other side. And he searches for probably 50 meters along the banks of the stream. Nothing. Then he uh, is thinking, maybe I'll just go for the fifth target because I only need four. I already have three. But then he looks into the stream and sees in the middle of the stream this like little bank of sand. It's like four feet wide. And sitting right there is his ammo can. So he gets back into the water, kind of wades over to it, gets the uh, the coordinates out, and he thinks it's funny. It says uh, enemy submarine base. Just kind of laughs to himself, puts it back in, and he uh, stands up to go to his fifth target. He's probably got another... 45 minutes or so. And he smells this smell again. So he kind of kneels back down and wait, like backs into the water, like wading back into the water, laying down so that just his top half is on this like middle area in the stream and the rest of him is in the water. And then he hears this splash, probably 50 meters down away from him at a bend in the stream so that this thick forested area, the moonlight just comes straight in on this bend. And he sees right there the enemy soldier and realizes that the ghillie suit is fur and that what he's seeing is not an enemy soldier. And he gets a closer look at it, and he describes it as the face of a gorilla. Now, I don't know what kind of person makes it to army scout training, but at this point he's thinking, oh shit, I have to make it back before the time runs out. (laughs) And then all of a sudden he hears this. Not today. (laughs) 
not today. I'm, I'm out. He hears this alarm go off, this, lo- this long, loud siren, which indicates 30 minutes left of the challenge. Mm. But as that alarm goes off, this enemy soldier that was stalking him the entire time looks around and then runs off into the forest. So without catching him, he gets out of the stream and as quickly as he can, tries to make it back to the dirt road still without being caught. Because even though he had four points, he still had to make it back without getting caught. Eventually, he does make it back to the dirt road, realizes some of them had been caught, some of them had gotten lost. And one dude who said it was a Navy SEAL found all five points that he was supposed to find. But he said he didn't know of any of those enemy soldiers that were wearing ghillie suits. And that what he saw, he couldn't explain. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I feel our listeners might not know this. Sean, I think, uh, allow me to speak for you, but Bigfoot is like your favorite paranormal subject. (laughs) Or you have like a, you definitely have like a soft spot for Bigfoot. I mean, I, I, I want to know the truth is out there. Do you think there's a Bigfoot out there? I don't know, dude. I don't know. I want to say, I, I want to say no. I think it's entirely possible. But I think it is entirely possible. <laughs> In that situation, what would you do? Would you approach it? Call attention it. or just stay, stay your ground or I, try to put more distance? I would have stayed my ground or tried to put more distance because A, it is an enemy soldier that's wearing something different. Or B, it's a freaking gorilla. Or could C, be hostile. Yeah, it could be a Bigfoot. So I'm going to just try and not draw attention to myself. Yeah. And then GTFO. If I saw a Bigfoot, I don't know if I'd take a photo. And I 100% wouldn't try to kill it. Oh, no. I, don't I know actually also about 95% wouldn't talk about it either. Me neither. I would tell, I would like tell you, guys, you guys, but that's it. Yeah. Just the labels and the, you know, the drama that comes with it. I don't, <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> I met a girl this past weekend at, so we were at my girlfriend's best friend's wedding. And the groom's girlfriend-in-law. <laughs> Real complicated. Um, we were all at the like the luncheon, and she was talking to me about her dad works at Skinwalker Ranch. Ooh, what? Currently, like doing what? <laughs> Security or shooting Skinwalkers? Um, guarding I, the portal. <laughs> well, this is I. I first asked her, how did he get into that? And she said, well, he was actually a graphic designer his entire life. Okay, what the hell? And then I, I can't remember exactly. It was a long day, but she said something. I think she said something like, then when like his health started going down, he just wanted to start working on a ranch. Which seems the opposite to me. <laughs> like, graphic designer is really physically <laughs> taxing. My wrist, bro. <laughs> That's still a huge jump. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, He's a graphic a designer. He, um, <laughs> his health was bad, so now he works at Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. So there's like 19 missing pieces less in this puzzle. stressful. <laughs> he has, apparently he has a, a handful of stories. <gasps> oh. Um, more about, I think, like he finds, I don't want to butcher that. I, I need to get information again. Bro, let's get him on. Unless it's not too physically taxing. He said they are filming season two of Skinwalker Ranch right now. And he said he watched like the first episode or she said he watched like the first episode or whatever of Skinwalker Ranch 
of the first season and he turned it off. He's like, I can't watch this. This is all BS. <laughs> it's like old dudes when they watch sports or like <laughs> yeah. sports movies. He's not really running. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I should have done that. Yeah. That's great. Uncle Rico can't throw a pigskin a quarter mile. <laughs> Dude, we should get him on. That's so crazy. Yeah. Wild. Um, I don't know why I thought of that. Did it have to do with anyway? No, <laughs> it, it have to do with Bigfoot. But that it scenario, is supernatural, though. <laughs> that scenario is so wild to me. I loved it. It was like so many high stakes, so many already like um, variables against you, like working against you, and then you throw in Bigfoot. <laughs> it's like, dude, what? <laughs> this guy can't catch a break. <laughs> yeah, for real, dude. This guy, like the whole scenario, just like to me, sounded like fun hmm. until he runs into. Bigfoot. But even then, like how he got out of it is still fun. True, true. Like, but if Bigfoot all of a sudden started rushing you, that would be the scariest thing. Dude, in the world. I think he got lucky too with the alarm. Uh, it just like threw the it off because it definitely broke. was following him. Yeah, because it followed him straight from his point two to point four. Yikes. That's crazy. I love the the visual of the ending where he's walking through the forest and then he sees a little bit of a clearing ahead and in the stream or the lake, right in the the pillar of the moonlight. It's like Bigfoot. Ariel it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's maybe it was his Patronus, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> so many unanswered on, questions. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> that was fun though. But that's me for tonight. Cool. Charles. All right. First of all, just a little uh, update. Since sharing last week's episode, I talked a lot about demons on 69. And I've had several people reach out to me with like stories and occurrences or something. Like someone who will remain anonymous because I don't know if she fully wants this public. She said, listening to your story like hits so close to home. I recently just started learning about all this stuff, like energy and stuff from an energy healer. And while I was learning all that, simultaneously her boyfriend was like battling an addiction. And with his addiction was like, they felt like a possession. So that was crazy. Also, Dom from Chickamauga. No, dude. Uh, Montezuma. Montezuma. <laughs> Dom from Montezuma. He, I, I'm like in my kitchen doing something and all of a sudden I'm getting a FaceTime from Dom. And I was like, oh, dang. Swipe open. And he's working in his workshop in downtown Salt Lake City. It's like 10, 30, 11. Late at night, or for me at least, late and in the area he works in is a pretty rough area of Salt Lake City, like a lot of homeless, a lot of sketch. And he's all alone in his shop. And he says he has our podcast talking about demons playing in the shop. And he's like cleaning up and he looks out the window into the parking lot of the shop. And there is a woman in like a t-shirt, long ragged hair. It's cold out. It's freezing. And he said she's just standing in the middle of the parking lot staring at him. And he's like, bro, I just, he's like, I need you to, I need to talk to someone. I need to make sure I get to my car safely. He's like, I'm sitting here. There's a woman out in the parking lot. And as he does, does that, his wife's name's Jackie. I go, is that Jackie in the back? Tell Jackie what's up. And he freaking <laughs> jumps around as fast as he can. And I was, I was like, I'm so sorry. No one's there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he's like, I don't know what we're about to see, dude. And he goes up to the garage and he goes and like throws up the garage and the parking lot's empty Fuck. and he like walked around the corner looked he like looked under his car and he's like okay i'm gonna go now i'm gonna jump in my car and go home but thanks for thanks for being with me i was like dude that's terrifying like he was listening to demons he looks out the window and he sees like 
some vivich out there. <laughs> Terrifying, dude. Yeah. No, nope. I thought you were gonna say he started lifting up the garage door and her feet <laughs> were right there. <laughs> oh, or her hands come in, yeah, yeah. dude. Oh, jeez, nope. big nope. No. <laughs> All right, going along with a little bit of that theme, I got a story from a friend, a listener on Instagram. DM'd us, said, "I'm a fan of the podcast. I have experiences." Here's mine. But because of the nature of the story, they have to remain completely anonymous. So this person is studying to become a nurse and is, I think, fairly far in the program, like basically done is kind of what it feels like and was going to go ahead and do like a tour or do some time in a psychiatric ward in a mental institution. So this mental institution has a wide spectrum from just like schizophrenia, um, bipolar to identity disassociation disorder. Wow. Yeah. So like everything. Yes. Like everything. Mm -hmm. So in this facility, all the doors, you have to have like badges and keys. Very, it's pretty like secure. When you enter a room, you have to turn around, close it, turn around, open. Like everything is shut, lock, shut, lock. Mm -hmm. Mm. And they have specific, in not inmates, they have specific people there that they call. Yeah, patients. We'll call them patients. That they call elopement risks. People that will run. People that will run. That are actively looking for opportunities to sneak out and run. That peanut butter falcon, dude. Exactly. (laughs) That shutter island. Exactly. More. Actually more, dude. In this facility, think of really long hallways in a V shape. So there's two long hallways and where they meet is the nursing station. Mm-hmm. And at the nursing station, there's two more like smaller hallways branching out. And those are the seclusion rooms, like the super high risk. Along the, the, the V, the V, the long parts, they have five to seven rooms on each side. And these are where like general population. So like one or two patients might be in each room. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he shows up, he wants to do a good job, goes to the nurse's station, checks in. Um, They kind of give him the rundown on what's going to happen. And he, he gets ready to start his shift. When he's looking over the patients, there's like a board of patients. He notices a particular patient and each patient has like a certain level of security required or a level of precautions that they each have. Some of them have like none. Just leave them alone. Make sure they take their meds, stuff like that. Check their vitals. Mm -hmm. Some of them have a couple. Some of them have like a two to one tech ratio at all times, meaning two people have to interact with them at all times, no matter what. Well, this one patient stands out and he has a list, a laundry list of precautions against him. So he's looking at it. He's like, dang, what the heck? Like, what's up with this guy? He has things like he has to be in solitary confinement, no roommate. He has a two-to-one tech ratio. No one's allowed to interact with him alone. He has to be separate. They have to make sure he he can't interact with any other patients ever, like not even on rec time, stuff like that. And he has really weird and kind of disturbing ones like no pregnant nurses are allowed to be on, on the clock while he's on there because like that will trigger him, like stuff like that. Yeah. So he takes a mental note of this guy and goes about his goes about his business. He starts doing his rounds. About two hours into his shift, one of the nurses calls him over and says, hey, 
we need you to do vitals. Here's a list of all the, all the people who need their vitals. No worries. So he starts doing his vitals and a couple patients down his list, he sees long list guy. Does he have someone else to go with him or? Danger patient. Well, yeah, two techs have to go with him. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he, he thinks, okay, I'm going to check the cameras first. I'm going to kind of see what I'm walking into so I don't walk in blind. Like he's in the seclusion room where they have a camera on him at all times. Mm-hmm. So he goes over to the nurse station, is looking at the camera, and he sees the guy. And real quick, I should describe him. This guy is about 5'7", not that tall, probably a buck 20, pretty thin, mm-hmm. bald, kind of a frail-looking guy. But the aura he gives off. Anyway, he's, he's looking at the camera, and he sees him. He's sitting cross-legged in the middle of the floor, and he's just slowly rocking. So he's like, okay, he seems pretty docile. So like, let's go. So they go to the room. The two techs stay outside and he opens the door and walks in. And the guy's on the floor just slowly rocking. And he said the feeling just emanating from this guy was like evil. So he's across the room. He sees this guy. This guy's giving him this terrible feeling. And he has to take his blood pressure. So he takes his kit. He takes the blood pressure like pouch thing that goes on the arm. Mm -hmm. And he starts slowly walking towards the guy. Now he said he wanted to impress the staff. He wanted to do a good job. So he's like, I'm not going to show any emotion. I'm just going to be really professional and get in there. So he's like, good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm going to take your vitals. Like I'm going to be putting this on your arm. And he said the guy just sat there rocking slowly the whole time and was staring So he undoes the Velcro, puts it around the guy's arm. And he says, as he's putting it on, he glances over at his face. And while he's slowly rocking, he says that he can't describe the look of this guy other than he was wearing a mask. He said his eyes were two black holes and there was simply nobody there. Like it was a shell of a human. And so he does that. He steals a glance, gets his feeling, and looks back and just starts going. And he's, he's super nervous inside, but doesn't want to show it. So as he's taking the vitals, he's looking at the numbers. The guy starts mumbling to himself. And it takes him a while until he realizes that there's two voices talking. So the guy's mumbling him to himself in like a normal man voice, but then answering in a deep, mm. slower voice. And he's like kind of trying to pay attention. Can't really hear what he's saying. Getting more nervous. He has to do like three or four more things when he hears the man in the normal voice go, but I don't want to. (laughs) This Smeagol dude right here. (laughs) Leave now. (laughs) He goes, but I don't want to. And then in a dark, deeper voice, he goes, it's time. Do it now. And all of a sudden, mid-rock, he stops. Slowly stands up, straight up in the air. And our friend goes, nope, I'm done. Stands up, staring at him, keeping him like in front of him. And he says, thank you so much. I'm going to be leaving now. Backs up to the door, opens the door. And as he's turning around to close it, he had moved across the room and he was right behind him. So he just turned around and saw him like staring and he closed the door on his face. And the tech outside goes, um, good thing you left. Like I could tell something was about to happen because they could like see through the window, right? Yeah. 
aren't they supposed to go in with him? I don't know. He said they were outside both of them. Okay. There was two techs outside watching. Just hazing at work, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with Smeagol. First day, newbie. <laughs> so he's affected. Like he felt weird. And just like the two voices, it's time. He's like, what the hell's happening? So he's freaked out. He's trying not to let it show that it's affecting him, but obviously it's on his mind. So later on, he's alone with one of the nurses and he goes, they're in the nurse station. They're talking and he goes, okay, I have to ask, what is up with the long list guy? Like what's up with him? What's his story? And she kind of like looks over her shoulder. She's looking around, making sure no one's around. And she says, come with me. And they go to one of the back rooms and you'll find the rest out. Right now. Oh, <laughs> damn, bro. <laughs> Got him. So they go to one of the seclusion rooms and she goes, okay, I've been here the whole time he's been here. When he showed up, he was completely normal. Nice. Conversation. Like we didn't know, understand like why he was really here. Zero precautions. Like he, he could walk around freely. He could go to the rec place, like everything, right? She said, but slowly he started to change and become more and more creepy. And everyone said something's, something's not right. Like they all got this feeling when they would take his vitals. So she said one night, a couple weeks ago, there was all like an all female staff on or something like that. All the nurses, one of the nurses, it was her turn to take his vitals and he was in a room by himself. So she got her ID badge. She went to his room she didn't check the cameras before she went in, unlocked the door and opened the door. And what he had done is he had moved his bed to the opposite side of the room and he was crouching and waiting. The second she stepped in, he tripped her, shoved her into the room, moved around the door and shut it behind him. So she's locked in. So she starts like banging on the door. Now they were in the opposite V There was a nurse all the way down at the nurse station and the other tech who was on was all the way over here, half asleep because it's like two or three in the morning, half asleep, just watching another patient. Mm -hmm. So no one heard any of this go on. Meanwhile, the nurse in the nurse station, she's hanging out, doing paperwork, sitting at a desk, dark office, when all of a sudden fingers wrap around her neck and pinch super tight. And he had snuck in completely silently and grabbed her and was now choking her. He tries to like smash her into the filing cabinet and they both fall to the floor. And he's squeezing the life out of her. She said, I don't know how, but she manages to get like a squeaking scream out. And it was like the last of her breath, but it was all she could do. And that was just enough for this nurse to hear what was going on, runs into the room, alerts, like the police who I think were really close or several officers were like in the area or something alerts the police and her and the other woman are just able to get him off of murdering her. But there's still like this huge pandemonium scuffle. Four policemen show up super fast. She said at least three of them were over six feet tall, over 200 pounds. And the six of them barely were able to get him restrained. They said she watched these huge men, this five, seven guy. He was like manhandling some of them, but eventually they're able to get him into a nine 
point restriction chair. So he's completely tied up. Can't do anything. They get the other nurse out of the, out of the room who was alone banging on the door. Mm-hmm. And they get the other girl who's like throat is damaged. Mm-hmm. They get her up and make sure she's vital. And they're wheeling him out of the room. And he says through the crowd of people and pandemonium, he locks eyes with the lady he was choking. And he goes, next time you won't be so lucky. And they wheel him out. Ugh. This is, okay, so he says, he's shook. <laughs> he hears this story. And he said, the part that messed him up most and what leaves him like thinking at night is he saw the footage. They go and they watch the footage of the attack, him tripping her, locking her in. Mm-hmm. But it's what happened before that, that like he says he'll never be able to get out of his mind. Mm-hmm. So they reround the footage and they look at it. And what he had done he had moved his bed to the opposite corner of the room under the camera, stood on his bed, and was staring into the camera. But the creepiest part is for two hours, he didn't move or blink. It was just like glowing eyes staring deadpan into the camera for two hours. She said she, like he saw them press fast forward and it was just, and it was just like, it was like a frozen frame. <sighs> And that's his story. Dude, that's like um, there's footage of this rapist or serial killer. I was going to bring him up. Yeah. Where do you want to tell it? No, go for it. Bone chilling. They're interrogating him. There's two police officers and it's like within the span of, I don't know, 30 to 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. And they're walking around the room, asking him questions, Um, not touching him, but he's sitting across the table, but they're just asking him questions. And it's like uh, a time lapse. Yeah. And they're moving around the room. I think it was more like an hour or two. Okay. It was longer. Yeah. And he is just sitting there. He doesn't, I don't think he answers any questions. He just sits there. Well, they said he was like one wording it, but Sean, the footage, he's sitting at a table and he's like this and they press fast forward. So everyone else in the room is like, like moving, sprinting around the room, talking. And he straight up is like this all the time. No blinking. It's no twitching. No, it gave me the chills. Yeah. There's one part where he goes like this. And like, that's it. It is uncanny, dude. It's so unsettling, but that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. There's two different types of horror stories. Like, I don't think he's lying. And I don't know, talking to him and like, anyway. But there's like, you know, like the super supernatural where it's like, oh, maybe it was a ghost or a light in the sky. But this is like real shit. Like, (laughs) people stuff yeah and i don't know that hits hard yeah that's creepy dude i don't know he said after this experience he was like not playing or toying but he was entertaining the idea of working with like mental and psychiatric stuff and he said nope he was done okay he was completely done after this Before this yeah okay yeah and i don't i don't blame him i wish i could shout you out this was a great story but our friend anonymous out there you know who you are do we know thank you what the the uh, guy's problem was like, what is no, hmm. no, he didn't say anything about that. Probably just hanger. Hey, dude, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd be, be like, like that. that <laughs> <laughs> I'd choke someone for some food <laughs> for some hot pockets, yeah. bro. Yeah. yeah, it's time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for lunch. Yeah, <laughs> where's my nugs? Where's my nuggies? <laughs> no, but anyway, dude, that's, terrifying. That's me tonight. I love uh, that. Dude, people are creepy sometimes. Yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this is relates or is important at all, but last year I lost both my grandparents. Uh, I didn't talk about it, but we like, there's a couple of weeks we didn't put out episodes. We just said there was family stuff going on. Um, but before that they, they spent a lot of time in old folks care mm. and I was there a lot. Uh, like me all my cousins were taking shifts, visiting and making sure, you know, they were, we could do whatever we could. Mm-hmm. But those facilities, because my grandpa was in memory care, meaning he didn't know where he was and all the doors are like double locked because everyone there is like, dude, I'm, where am I? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of times in the middle of the night I was there like hanging out and you'd go out. First of all, if you want, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to put this into words. I wasn't planning on sharing this, so I apologize. But if you want like a really reminder of like important things in life, go volunteer at like an old folks home, especially memory care. It's insane. Like it puts a lot of things in perspective. But uh, I would be out there in the middle of the night, like 12 a.m., you know, grandpa's finally gone to sleep. I'd be sitting out in the foyer and just like out of the darkness, an old lady would come. Sometimes like not appropriate, you know what I'm saying? Because they have no idea. And they'd just be like, you know, you know, where's Jim? Has he come home from work yet? And you're just like, and you're, no one's there. You're just like, okay, ma'am, can I help you find your room? You know, and every door is like double locked and it's like, I don't know. It's just, so this story, I don't know. It kind of took me back there in a way, in a different way. Dang. Anyway. Having part of like almost like a humanity taken from you is terrifying on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like a hundred percent not your choice. No. Like these, all these people in this memory care, they just, they cannot remember what's going on. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Anyway, not to call them like barely human, but it's like barely you're even human as you're as you're nearing death. Like you start losing some of those faculties. It's, True, it's hard for them too because they're kind of aware that they can't remember. Like they're almost embarrassed, and they're aware that they can't take care of themselves. So they're super embarrassed about it. So they like they'll fight it, or they'll like you know. Hmm. Anyway, not related, but related. Anyway, that's me tonight. Thanks, y'all. Let's close this up. Let's do it. That's you, baby boy. Mm-hmm. All right, kings and queens. I got not one, but two stories. Ooh. Ooh. This first one comes from a listener. His name is Rick. He's from Texas. Hell yeah, brother. Sounds like Rick is in his 40s. And his story happens in the late 90s early 2000s and it sounds like he's uh newly out of college he's working with a team of eight to ten other dudes who are about the same age and basically they would travel uh about once a month for almost a week each time so it's a decent amount of travel Mm -hmm. just going all over the states teaching different companies about the software that they sold the computer software that they sold just teaching them how to use it so when they traveled, they, uh, the company would pay for their gas and some of their food and uh, the rooms as well. And they would stay usually at like La Quinta's and Best Western. So not the worst, not the best, but um, they each had their own room. And he says he remembers one particular business trip where they were in the, going between Kentucky and Ohio. When they get home one night and they usually go out to eat, they go to a bar, they have some drinks. Um, since they're all kind of like just out of college, they're 
used to drinking a lot. Uh, Rick, though, is very conscious about that and decides to only have, usually only have a drink at most two. Mm. And he says, that was important for this story, that I know that I was being conscious about how much I was drinking, making sure that I wasn't, you know, tipsy. Plastered. Yeah. Yeah. They finish their night off at the bar. And they head home, and he takes off his shoes and his socks. And he lays down on his bed. He turns on the TV, and he starts to doze off. When he notices that something under his covers are moving, or is moving. And within about a second or two, he realizes that it's his bedspread sliding off of his body. So he, he wakes up. I'm not sure the TV's still on. But he reaches underneath his comforter and he pulls it. And it's a little tough to pull. But it wasn't too bad. He pulls it back up to his neck and he, he's just really tired. So he doesn't think too much of it. He blames it on uh, at first. He's like, if you've ever stayed in these hotels, you know that their bedding isn't the best. It's usually like some polyester and it like slides Plus, yeah, really it's easily. tucked in there so yeah. hard that you like no, yeah, probably exactly. thought he was yanking on that. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so he just plays it off as that. He said, as he's dozing off again, it happens once more. And he said, this time, when reaching down through the comforter, and grasping the end of the bed sheet, he said he was met with resistance right there. So there should have been some slack. And he says instead of being scared or terrified, he said the weird thing was I was annoyed. <laughs> he said at this point I yelled, knock it off, damn it. <laughs> and the resistance stopped. He was Easily able to pull it back over his body. I don't like that. Yeah, dude. I mean, at least it's <laughs> yeah, at least listening. it's a thoughtful yeah. whatever. <laughs> Just a troll, literary troll under the bed. Oh gosh, literary, literally, um, <laughs> literarily. He said, "I know this is this story is pretty simple, but to me, that's what makes it so scary and real." He says he thinks of that experience every time he checks into a hotel. Oh, uh, so we don't know. <laughs> We don't get to know what it was. It. Yeah. He oh, says, I no. don't know if I'm happy or upset that I never checked oh. under the bed. Um, Let's be honest. Happy. No, probably. Probably. Because he made it out. Probably happy. Yeah. If it, if you got the big dead, the big dead. But what if then. it was just like one of your friends? You know? <laughs> one of his drunk friends just on the floor. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's super cold person on the floor. He's just <laughs> like, like, dude, Damn, I, I just want to blanket. Blanket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I don't know. It passes out after. To me, like hotels are creepy. A hundred percent. I never feel hotels, motels, holiday inns. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been on that bed, and probably dead people. (laughs) Probably, dude. We were watching uh, Unsolved Mysteries earlier, and it's the new season, and it's about like the murder in Oslo, Norway. Yeah. Weird, dude. I'm gonna watch it. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give the preface. <laughs> this woman, okay, frick, it's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, this woman checks into the hotel, and it's, I guess, a pretty like famous hotel or like a it's a five star hotel. Mm-hmm. 
It's that when celebrities come to Norway and they're in Oslo, they stay in, they stay in a hotel. That's the hotel they stay in. Wow. And this happens in, uh, I think, 95. Yeah. A cursed year, dude. May of 95. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she checks into the hotel. And in the records, it's so strange because she doesn't have a credit card. She doesn't pay, no cash. It's almost as like whoever was working there just let her stay. Hmm. And then a few days later, they're like, oh, this person doesn't have like a card on file. Like how is she supposed to pay? So they sent up like a security guard. And he, this is like her second or third day there, takes the elevator, walks towards the door, and he sees the do not disturb sign on there, but, you know, pay up. You got business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he says, he knocks, tung, 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 and a second later, poof, gunshot. So I'll leave the rest to you. I'm in a movie you. of Clue right now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'll leave the rest to Who you. Who done it? Yeah. The the story is crazy. I have chills. Yeah, dude. And the, the worst part is that it's unsolved, which is the whole premise so, wait, of the show. What? <laughs> it's the whole premise of the show, obviously. No. But it's like, I just want closure so bad. Oh, man. No. Yeah. Okay, let's say you're at the pearly gates. And Jesus is like, you can come in. Or <laughs> you can know the answer to every mystery. Oh, shoot, dude. You can know if you were right in every argument you ever had <laughs> pass i'm going in hell's looking real good right now yeah. <laughs> that's um, crazy yeah hotels creepy last thing with hotels unless your next story is in hotels no it's not cool have you seen the video i don't know if it's real who cares it's fun <laughs> where the hotel security gets called because there's like loud screaming coming from a hotel room oh yeah mm -hmm. Dude, I just got chills right now thinking about it. But okay, so there's loud screaming. The hotel security shows up, opens the door, and it's the most generic hotel setup you can think of. Like you walk in, bathroom to the right. You go further in, it's the room. And he goes in and there's like bloody screaming in the shower. And he like opens it all up and there's no one in there. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that too. And he like too. sprints out and runs out and he likes looking back over his shoulder and he's like, what the heck? But ugh. Same. Yeah. Yeah, that's strange. not the same one where like the orb comes out though, is it? It could be. It, it very well be, could be. But it's like they. I think they made a couple of attempts to like. I can't get in them. first because they like knock on the door and they hear screaming bloody murder in there and nobody's opening. They keep knocking, they keep knocking, and then they go in and then it just stops. And oh. They go in, nobody's in there. Nope. No. Even like the rooms next door, I think were the ones who called in like Saying there's somebody murdered. dying yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I have chills as well. <laughs> but that was the first story. Short, simple. Shout out, Texas Rick. Hey, hey. Tejas Rick, bro. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the second one um, comes from, we'll just call him Owen. Owen, and it's crazy that you shared your first story with its setting. This also takes place in central Pennsylvania. Scranton. It's actually an hour left of Scranton because I looked yeah. it up on the map. And he said the specific trail. It's called a loyal sock. Loyal sock. <laughs> Sounds like a perverted. Yeah, bro. like a sixteen-year-old's favorite garment. <laughs> that that softest sock, bro. <laughs> Can stand Gar up by itself. Gross. That's <laughs> horn itself. Okay, Ten. Stop. Ten. <laughs> uh, he says he's in college. He and his one of his homies uh, go on a fifty-plus-mile backpacking trip on a four-day weekend. Mm -hmm. Ambitious. Yeah. And uh, he said he grew up 
going to scouts. He's an Eagle Scout. He's very used to camping. And when he moved away from home, started going to school, he continued to go backpacking solo with friends and whatnot. This one friend who came with him has no experience backpacking, but he's a fit dude, can carry his own, and he's down, and they're excited. So they hit this trail. Owen says, usually I like to find, when I'm looking for a place to camp, I'll find like the campground, like normal campground checkpoint, and I'll go like 100 meters more into Mm. the wilderness. Just to be alone. Yeah, just to be alone. I just want to be out of people's way. And I want people to be out of my way. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So he says they're 20 miles into the trail, which I think is probably day one or day two. Day one, if they're super, they're pretty fast. Ambitious day one. Yeah. Yeah. They find a place that's almost like a little peninsula. They follow the stream and it opens up to a bigger river. So they're kind of like in that corner. It reminds me of when we were in Jackson a couple of months ago. So he said he liked that because there's only one way in, one way out. He said there's not really a way for people to come through the river or the stream or if they did they could really hear it so he says they set up camp they each have their own one-man tents they have their chairs they have their little mres um mountain house and they each crack open one one bottle of beer which surprised me because they're backpacking that's heavy you have to bring treats like that yeah Yeah, like rewards Yeah. yeah yeah um morale much like rick he says we understand that we're in the wilderness and that we need to be conscious of keep your faculties yeah exactly so one beer that's why only. yeah one beer only each one sip for sean <laughs> lightweight boy <laughs> um so they're talking they're chilling it's already nighttime fire is going and uh they're ready to go to bed uh they put out the fire they get into their tents and they fall asleep. He says, at this point, Owen says, all is quiet. It's fall semester. So leaves are on the ground. Uh, the moon is brightly shining through the bare trees. And the air is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He says, I, because I grew up scouting, I was used to, you know, random noises throughout the night. Raccoons scurrying around. Just the noises of the night and the wilderness. Uh, he says, I, I, I know when something is unnatural um, just because of how used I am to what is natural. And while they're sleeping, unfortunately, he hears something that is unnatural. He wakes up. He checks his phone. He says it's, it's three in the morning. Oh. He says he hears voices. He says the voices were on the trail about 100 meters away, 100 plus. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking, who's hiking at 3 a.m.? You know, um, We're 20 miles in. He says he slowly, quietly unzips his sleeping bag, unzips his tent door. First of all, you, there's, it's almost impossible to be quiet. Almost. Like yeah. in sleeping bags and stuff. Yeah, he, he has the cover of noise from the stream oh, true. and the river. Which helps. What I'm saying is just super stressful. Because you'd be like, (laughs) oh, yeah, all the camping material, like all that. Yeah, super, super noisy. Sorry. Um, No, you're fine. But he opens the tent door, moves the front, one of the flaps from the door, and he sees his friend is also peeking out of the tent. 
and his friend motions, puts a finger up to his to his lips to to hush him, and they're listening. He says, "These voices are getting closer, oh, hell. closer and closer to the point where we see them. Who are these people or things?" Patrons, oh, damn. you gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not a patron, head to patreoncom slash the 3 a.m. pod. You can listen to this bonus story. Owen and his homie are in the woods, 20 miles down the trail, three in the morning. They hear voices and they see them. Dude, I remember um, me and a friend. You you both know him, Ammon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was maybe like a year, less than a year, within like the first year of me moving to Utah. We, we hung out a couple times and we were like, let's go do Squaw Peak. And in Utah Valley, Squaw Peak is one of the more famous mountain points. Um, a lot of people a, go up there and make out. Yeah. Well, there's a drive up to Squaw Peak, which is like halfway up the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like five miles west of the actual peak, yeah. you know. And then there's like the hike, Squaw Peak. And we did it twice. And we wanted to watch the sunrise, so we went early morning. First time we didn't make it to the top because, and I don't know, I told him like, dude, let's not bring flashlights because I just it was a full moon. I was like, let's just hike in the night mm-hmm. and let the moon light our path. And he's like, okay, whatever. And I remember walking up the trail and both of us stopped at the same time. We didn't see anything. We didn't hear anything. We just f- both felt something because we both looked at each other. He said, did you feel that? He said, yeah, I felt that too. And immediately we both knew that we weren't going to continue. We're like, let's turn around and go back. So no closure. We don't know what was there or there could have been nothing there. Mm. <laughs> but it was just strange that we both got that feeling like it, it reminded me of Owen and his homie. Like I, I know they heard something, but he unzips the tent. At the he same looks and time. they're he's they're both alert. Yeah, they're both alert. You know, so I know I I know that feeling. Get you friends. It's gonna be alert <laughs> with you. <laughs> there is something that though to say about like unity and like if you're with a group of friends and you just have that unity and trust, it's like you're way you're way ahead of the curve. But if you're like every horror movie and everyone's a dickhead and douchebag <laughs> and like scary Splitting people up lying and, and yeah. split up and live for clothes, yeah. <laughs> It's like, no, you're screwed. Yeah. Dude, that was fun. I loved that. Yeah. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Oh, he didn't give his name. Sorry. Thank you, Anonymous. Thank you, Anonymous. Yep. Cool, man. Tonight was fun. Yeah. Scary themes. Real, real themes. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I think the hotel blanket is going to have me a little shook. <laughs> Bro, I've stayed in some scary sketchy motels before some that i would prefer hostels over and that story is so creepy for that reason (laughs) did i tell you guys about the worst hotel i've ever stayed in Mm -mm. did i tell you on pod if i didn't i don't know i don't think so bro it was so bad mj my wife was even like let's not tell people about this (laughs) but like we show up it is we're in florida it's like shit's creek (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know i've never seen it uh okay probably. but probably yeah. but we're in florida home of the florida, florida man, man. Florida man. <laughs> and immediately we show up and i was like 
<laughs> like, this is not good. We had a smoking room. Oh, that's the worst. They, they had no other that. rooms. There was needles and... Uh, there were needles? Needles and, and condom packets in the parking lot. And like pills. Baggy pills. Damn, bro. I was like, fuck. Every piece of furniture was broken. Oh, no. It was like I was... We were in an ashtray. That's how bad it smelled. Oh, that's gross, dude. Oh, my gosh. We both slept in full full clothes. Smart. On top of the sheets. We took, like, the cover off because they don't wash that. Yeah. And just slept full clothes on top. It was the foulest. There was, like, stains everywhere. Dude, it was foul. It was the worst Dude, I would have got a different spot. I actually... Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no worries. We looked. We tried. There, like, a lot of things. Something was going on. Everything was booked out. So, when I went to Minnesota, I stayed at a Motel 6 up in Duluth. Not to knock them or anything, but it was so bad. Like, it was just so gross and dirty, and the wooden floor creaked when I'd walk on it on the second floor, and it was just this big room that was completely empty, except for the bed and the dresser, which was like 30 feet away from me. That's sketch. And it was so creepy to me. I was like, this is, this is like designed for someone to come in and kill me. Oh. Have you seen Vacancy, I think is the... Dude, yeah, I was thinking Vacancy. I just watched another movie called uh, I'm Just Messing With You or Just Messing With You, which is about a motel owner and some guests. Messing with people? It's just messing. Oh, it's just a prank prank every YouTube video. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just messing with you. Uh, Anyway, creepy, 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 creepy. Hotels, yeah, are just... uh, You're like out of your zone. Either, like if it's a nice hotel, it's the best thing ever. You're like, ooh, you know, like... Well, see, that's what I was saying. Some of these I'd prefer a hostel over because there's other people in the room Mm. or like Airbnb, dude. Mm. That's the way to go. Sponsor us. (laughs) I wish. Motel 6. (laughs) I'd I'd get sponsored by La Quinta. (laughs) (laughs) That best West. Shouty. (laughs) Anyway, that was really fun. I liked them all. That That was was a good one. Oh, last thing. Do you know how me and Reed, we have like waking nightmares? Mm, yeah where we open our eyes and we're seeing things oh mm-hmm. yeah i told dj i don't know if i told you i saw the mother effing nun like from the nun yes god i saw it. valak holy shit did i tell you f- yeah because I, and it, I just opened my eyes and she's standing right side of my bed like in my closet <laughs> finna catch these hands for like bro. 20 i sat up in bed and for like 20 seconds i'm staring at it and all you can do is like blink because you can't you're not like fully awake yet but you're like seeing it so i'm blinking and it slowly turns back into two dark jackets in a in my a white t-shirt in between uh but it was like <laughs> that perfect sucks, bro and i was like oh my gosh that's and like then, the conjuring too where he's in the room and like his yeah. wife is like painting the nun because that's what she sees and like it like moves or something like yeah. that. That's what that reminds me that's of. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. I, I also like have that. not been getting a lot of sleep. So it's like happening a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I had a dream that I was arguing with this frat kid. <laughs> Stick it to him. Yeah. And he was like, square up, square up. I was like, okay. They square up. And his grandpa comes in. He's like, you're not going to be fighting him. You'll be fighting me. <laughs> And I murdered that grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. The future is now, old man. Uh, Those are the dreams I've been having. Dude, whenever you have a fight dream and you're winning, it feels so good. I'm top of the world. (laughs) 
<laughs> and with that, thank you, everyone. Thank you for sending in your stories. Continue to send them in. We want to. We want to keep doing this, <laughs> <laughs> and it helps a lot. <sighs> but uh, everyone out there, thank you so much. Bye, love you, be safe. Question everything. Trust your gut. Watch your back. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, <laughs> but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. <laughs>